Today on the Gram, I'm your host McKenna Miller, and we are actually wrapping up today. How sad is that? Um, this is the last podcast of this series, and you know maybe in the future we will bring it back and do something more with it. Interview some more people, talk to some more people about their numbers, and maybe some different things about their stages of life and how they see their number working through that. But for right now, this is going to be the last one. And so this week, all we're going to be doing this week is just a Q&A. Um, I don't have many questions that were sent in, and so this is going to be a really short podcast. But I hope that maybe for some of y'all that sent in some of these questions, it'll clarify some of the things that I talked about throughout this podcast series. But if you do have any more questions, um, you want to know more, if you want more resources, because there's plenty of other books and podcasts and other things that I can send your way. If you if that's something that interests you, please let me know and I will get on working to give you those other resources. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the questions. And the first one that I got was, how did I initially come across the Enneagram? And now I did answer this back in my podcast when we did number three, because that's the number that I am. But I do want to go over this question because it was sent in. So I will talk about how I came across it. Again, um, I was, I guess it was like two or three years ago. Um, I guess three years ago, I was interviewing for a, an internship at a church. And the youth minister there asked me what my Enneagram number was. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that because I don't know what that is. And he was like, oh, okay, well here, let me send you this quiz. It's this really cool thing. And I subscribe to something so I can send you like a better quiz. Cause there's lots of different tests and quizzes out there, but some are better than others, depending on like if you pay for it or not. And he did. So he sent me one that he pays for and it was a very in-depth test. There were lots of questions and lots of different variants you could put on each question, like strongly agree or strongly disagree and so on and so forth. And so I did that. I filled it out and it told me that I was a three wing two. And granted, I had only had one interview with this church, but this guy was like, oh, that's surprising. Like he he told me to tell him he told me to tell him my answer and I told him and he was like, Oh, that's really surprising. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, I just like pegged you as a two. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what any of that means. But like when I went and like read the description of a three and granted, this was a very tiny, small, short description of a three. I was like, I don't think that's me at all because it was kind of described to me when I first came across it as like, the cheerleader, prom queen, politician, you know, super competitive in the in the ways that they would do anything to get ahead, like hurting others to get ahead. And I was just like, that is not me. Like, I'm competitive, but I'm not going to like intentionally hurt others so that I can get ahead in my career. Like, I'm not like that. So I didn't really know where all that was coming from. And then he started to explain to me that like, well, 
Oh, it makes sense though, because I don't know you that well. And I was like, yeah, I've had one interview with me. I don't think you know me really at all, honestly. I mean, sort of, but not a lot. And also the fact that he said that threes often say that they're not their number, which now that I've done in-depth study on the Enneagram, I don't necessarily think that's true, but that's what he told me. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm a three. Well, it wasn't until a couple years later, or I guess a year, year or two later, I don't know, my timeline's all messed up, but until I started Covenant Group and we did our study for nine months on the Enneagram, it wasn't until then that I actually came to like know that I am a three, but the, the description that I was reading is true to some extent, but like we've talked about in the Enneagram, in this podcast throughout the whole time, you know, every number has different variants and you can show lots of different qualities of each number, but there's just kind of one that you typically... It's the reasoning behind what you do. So it's the why you do what you do, not just what you do. And so when I read that description of a three, now I know that was a very unhealthy three. That wasn't just like a three. This was unhealthy qualities of a three. And so that's one unhealthy quality that I don't typically fall under. Yes, I'm competitive, but I'm typically, especially when you talk about work environment, I am not the kind of competitive that's going to hurt others to get ahead. And that's one of the things in this description that was driven the hardest in that description. And I was like, that's not me at all. But now I've come to know that, you know, some of the things that three struggle with the, the deadly sin of deceit, that's something that I struggle with the competitive nature. That's something that I struggle with the need to be ahead and and the need to be successful. And there's just a lot of things that match up that align with me being a three. And so after a long in-depth study in the Enneagram with my covenant group, I have come to not just claim a number because I took it on a quiz, but I've come to really recognize what my number is based on learning about every single one of the numbers and really realizing the things that I struggle with, the things that make me amazing, the things that keep me in a healthy and an unhealthy space. So that's how I initially came across the Enneagram. And also as like a extra point to that question, that's how I've come to learn the Enneagram more in depth uh, through my covenant group, through study with Betsy Stratton, Risa Higgins, who they studied under Suzanne Stabile, who studied with Richard Rohr. So I am like a great grandchild of Richard Rohr's study, I guess. <laughs> Which like I'm not that great on the Enneagram, but when you say it like that, it makes me sound really fancy because I studied under people who studied under Richard Rohr, which is just like amazing. So So one of the next questions that I got that I want to go into that it kind of ties into what I just talked about here with how I initially came across it, but also how you can be so like other numbers as well is wings. Someone asked, what are wings and how are we affected by them? And so the term wings, it means it's the two personality types on the other side of your number. So for a three, like myself, I can either be a one wing. No, that's not true. Sorry. I can either be a two wing or a four wing. So I can be a three wing two or a three wing four. 
I am a three wing two because I do share more qualities of a two than I do a four. But basically what that means is think of that as like your next door neighbors. When you live in your house, shout out to Susan Minshall. She was my next door neighbor last year and I got to hang out with her all the time. I got to see her. I got to say hi. I got to ask her to move my packages whenever I wasn't home. Um, She got to play with Riley. It's a space that I could go into often, but I don't live there. And the same thing with my landlords on the other side. They're friends of mine. We hang out sometimes. We watch the Ranger games. We get dinner. But I don't live at their house and they don't live at mine. I have my own space and they have theirs. And I can go into that space and I can show attributes of that space, but I don't live there. And so that's kind of like different people put different emphasis on wings on like how important it is. But altogether, that's pretty much what wings are is just it's attributes that are very similar to your number but they are not your number it's just a space that you find yourself in regularly so with me personally three as either a four or a two fours are very creative which definitely falls under my category but as far as everything else that fours are about I just don't resonate with a lot of that but with twos A lot of it is about, you know, feeling loved by helping others. And that is something that I really resonate with. I definitely um, feel the need to help others. And I definitely feel like there are times when there are times when I struggle with when I want to receive love from my peers, I feel like I have to do things for them. And I have to, it's funny because it's like a competition of my threeness and my twoness of Well, I want to do this thing so that they see me as, you know, successful or as great, which would be like more of my three, but I also want them to value me as a person, which is more of my two. And so I definitely fall into the two wing. And so all of that to say, again, it's basically just a state. It's a space that you can spend a lot of time in, but it's not actually your space. It's not your actual number. The next question that I got is... How does the Enneagram affect us in relationships? This is a really good question. I want to first address that the Enneagram is not supposed to be used like some people use zodiac signs, I guess. That would be one example I think of. There is no numbers that are better for other numbers. Like, it's not like as a three, I'm supposed to be with a nine or I'm supposed to be with a six or whatever as far as like in a relationship. It do, it's not saying that my friendships or my relationships with those specific numbers are going to work better or worse. That is not a thing. That is not a thing for the Enneagram. And if someone tries to convince you of that, that's not true. And that's can actually be really harmful and really toxic. The Enneagram is a tool. And, that, and exactly, that's what it is. It is a tool to where you can be able to figure out what this person is, what space that they live in, And you can respond to them in ways that resonate better with them. So for instance, sorry, that seemed kind of confusing when I said it, but let me explain it more. My brother is an eight. And a lot of times I have found that I, um, I, I struggle with eights and I've said this before and knowing he is an eight and knowing things about eights, I deal with him or when we have conflict I deal with that conflict in different ways than I would with someone else that is a different number. 
I try to be a lot more patient with him. I try not to uh, have a screaming match because we are both very stubborn people. We're very stubborn numbers and that will literally get us nowhere. And so with him, I have to be a lot more patient. I have to take a lot more steps back and I have to, I have to come at him in a way where I speak very straightforward and very factual and I a lot of times have to set my emotions aside when I'm talking to him. It's not that I want to become like a statue. I still express my emotions, but for him, emotions don't resonate very well with him. And so whenever I say things that he thinks have too much emotion put into them, because emotions is what drives me. That's what drives threes that doesn't resonate with him and that makes him more angry. And so I have to go at him with very factual things and stay saying things not based on how I feel, but how it affects everyone in the situation. Same thing with my dad. My dad is a nine. And one of the things about nines is they a lot, not every nine, but a lot of nines have to have a thing, something that they can do to get their mind at ease, to have them, to put them back in a peaceful state. For my dad, that's bike riding. And I have quickly realized that. And so when my dad is super stressed, like he goes on a bike ride for a couple hours and he comes back and he is just like a new person. And so one thing I've learned through my work in the Enneagram and knowing that my dad's a nine is that I have learned to love my dad better by pushing him out of the house to go take a bike ride. So when he is super stressed, I will look at him and say, Hey dad, like it's a Saturday. You have some time. I think you should go ride your bike. Well, I have work to do. I have to go watch Jacob. I have to do And I'm like, no dad, like you have time. I can do this. I can help with this. Go ride your bike. And he comes back and he's a new person. And so that's, I think that's one thing too, is that you can learn to love people in the ways that they need it. And you can learn to help them in the ways that they need it. But to reiterate again, it is not a tool to be like, it's not a matchmaking tool. I'll definitely say that. You know, the Enneagram is a great way to learn how to communicate better with people who are different from us. That's what it is. It's just, it's a, it's a better way to communicate. The next question is, oh, this is really cool. Someone asked about the origins of the Enneagram and where it came from. I do not know that. <laughs> I will be honest in saying I have no idea. What I do know and what I have been told by Betsy and some of my other mentors is that the Enneagram can be traced for centuries back. Centuries. Possibly even as far back as like Greek mathematicians. Like it's so far back. But I guess back in like the 60s, that's when people started really getting back into it. And they started using it as more of like psychological types. And I think in the past, well, ever since this book was written, ever since The Road Back to You was written, so what, like five years ago or so, it's definitely become a very big Christian fad, especially on like social media and with like millennials and Gen Z generations. Though the people of my generation are getting very into it as far as like a way to just understand people better because I do think that's one thing, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy things. There's a lot of like different crazy stereotypes about every generation. But like, I think one of the things about my generation that people like talk about is like, 
with millennials, they say, like, we're too lazy. But then, like, with Gen Zers, they say we're, like, too wraps in, wrapped up in social media. And I'm, like, smack dab in the middle, which is so annoying because, like, 95 is, like, falls into both categories technically because I was, like, raised with technology, but I was also raised without it. But I do think one thing that this generation gap that I fall into is that our generation cares a lot about people and I think that we've used things like our social media platforms to be able to express that care for others. Like in things such as the Black Lives Matter movement or the feminist movement, people will be posting that all over their social media and they'll post not only just like words of affirmation and like words of encouragement, but also like sources that you can go learn to be, you know, anti-racist or sources where you can learn to be not sexist and, and different things like that of treating people as equals. And I think that this is another source. This is another way that we have done that in our generation is posting a lot of things about the Enneagram and just different ways that you can love your neighbor. Because I think that that is such an important thing in this time is that we use every outlet that we can. We do our research so that we can love our neighbors properly. That is all of the questions that we had today. I really, really, really enjoyed doing this podcast with y'all. I learned a lot as I went on and I had great conversations with people and I really enjoyed doing this. I really want to continue doing a podcast. I've had a lot of ideas of what that might be, but y'all are just going to have to stay tuned in the next few weeks to see what comes about from that? Because honestly, at this point, I don't really know. I, I have a lot of ideas, but I haven't settled on one yet. And so I'm really excited for y'all to hear what's to come in the future. But thank you for joining us on this Enneagram journey. And I hope that you will continue to research and study more. Again, please reach out to me either through email or text or call whatever, you know, Facebook even. <laughs> if you just have any more questions or if you do want some more resources on the Enneagram because I can provide those for you. So I would love to do that. So please reach out to me. And for the last time signing off, this is McKenna Miller on Today on the Gram. <laughs>